0: chapter 3 of book 7 of les misérables volume 2 by victor hugo this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by peter eastman les misérables volume 2 by victor hugo translated by isabel florence hapgood book 7 parenthesis CHAPTER Three, ON WHAT CONDITIONS ONE CAN RESPECT THE PAST Monasticism, such as it existed in Spain, and such as it still exists in Tibet, is a sort of physis for civilization. It stops life short. It simply depopulates. Clostration, castration. It has been the scourge of Europe, Add to this the violence so often done to the conscience, the forced vocations, feudalism bolstered up by the cloister, the right of the firstborn pouring the excess of the family into monasticism, the ferocities of which we have just spoken, the in pace, the closed mouths, the walled-up brains, so many unfortunate minds placed in the dungeon of eternal vows, the taking of the habit, the interment of living souls. Add individual tortures to national degradations, and whoever you may be, you will shudder before the frock and the veil, those two winding sheets of human devising. Nevertheless, at certain points and in certain places, in spite of philosophy, in spite of progress, the spirit of the cloister persists in the midst of the nineteenth century, and a singular ascetic recrudescence is at this moment astonishing the civilized world. The obstinacy of antiquated institutions in perpetuating themselves resembles the stubbornness of the rancid perfume which should claim our hair, the pretensions of the spoiled fish which should persist in being eaten, the persecution of the child's garment which should insist on clothing the man, the tenderness of corpses which should return to embrace the living ingrates says the garment i protected you in inclement weather why will you have nothing to do with me i have just come from the deep sea says the fish i have been a rose says the perfume i have loved you says the corpse i have civilized you says the convent to this there is but one reply in former days to dream of the indefinite prolongation of defunct things, and of the government of men by embalming, to restore dogmas in a bad condition, to regild shrines, to patch up cloisters, to re-bless reliquaries, to refurnish superstitions, to revictual fanaticisms, to put new handles on holy water brushes and militarism, to reconstitute monasticism and militarism to believe in the salvation of society by the multiplication of parasites, to force the past on the present. This seems strange. Still, there are theorists who hold such theories. These theorists, who are in other respects people of intelligence, have a very simple process. They apply to the past a glazing, which they call social order, divine right, Morality, family, the respect of elders, antique authority, sacred tradition, legitimacy, religion. And they go about shouting, Look, take this, honest people! This logic was known to the ancients. The soothsayers practiced it. They rubbed a black heifer over with chalk, and said, She is white, both cretatus." As for us, We respect the past here and there, and we spare it, above all, provided that it consents to be dead. If it insists on being alive, we attack it, and we try to kill it. Superstitions, bigotries, affected devotion, prejudices, those forms, all forms as they are, are tenacious of life. They have teeth and nails in their smoke, and they must be clasped close body to body, and war must be made on them, and that without truce. For it is one of the fatalities of humanity, to be condemned to eternal combat with phantoms. It is difficult to seize darkness by the throat, and to hurl it to the earth. A convent in France, in the broad daylight of the nineteenth century is a college of owls facing the light. A cloister caught in the very act of asceticism, in the very heart of the city of eighty-nine, and of eighteen-thirty, and of eighteen-forty-eight, Rome blossoming out in Paris, is an anachronism. In ordinary times, in order to dissolve an anachronism and to cause it to vanish, one has only to make it spell out the date. But we are not in ordinary times let us fight. Let us fight, but let us make a distinction. The peculiar property of truth is never to commit excesses. What need has it of exaggeration? There is that which it is necessary to destroy, and there is that which it is simply necessary to elucidate and examine. What a force is kindly and serious examination! Let us not apply a flame, where only a light is required. So, given the nineteenth century, we are opposed, as a general proposition and among all peoples, in Asia as well as in Europe, in India as well as in Turkey, to ascetic claustration. Whoever says cloister says marsh. Their putrescence is evident. Their stagnation is unhealthy. Their fermentation infects people with fever and etiolates them. Their multiplication becomes a plague of Egypt. We cannot think without affright of those lands where fakirs, bonzes, santons, Greek monks, marabouts, talipoins, and dervishes multiply, even like swarms of vermin. This said, the religious question remains. This question, has certain mysterious, almost formidable sides. May we be permitted to look at it fixedly. End of book seven, chapter three.